along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International. Uh, right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Astronet Radio. I don't know if we're still on. Are we still on a Crackle Radio? I don't know. Yeah, wherever else we're being played. And on iTunes if you listen and not in real time. I am Rod Kolick, and with me all the way from across uh, the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, you go right, take a bang right by the uh, Titanic there, and it's, it's right there. Uh, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good evening. How are you? Good. I don't know about Radio Crackle. I'll, I'll have to check that one. Yeah. I've just been informed that we have a listener in Finland. A listener? In Finland. How do we speak Finnish so we can give him a proper greeting? I don't know. Google Translate? Uh, Good evening, Finland. Finashvin. No, that's Swedish. Uh, never mind. I get it. Hello. <laughs> anyway. Hello, Finland. Yeah, there you go. So, um, we were supposed to have a guest, but we decided... Yeah. Why should we have guests? Because why should have... they have all the fun? Yeah, right. So we decided to do the show by ourselves today. With you know, you you welcome to join now. in. And either the Pararex, of course, or the uh, Tojinet chat room. If you have questions, uh, or you can call in at eight seven seven six. No, that's the morning. Five 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 two three six eight. Uh, nine seven eight. No, that's not it. Uh, eight seven seven. I don't know. So you go to the page and find out. Uh, anyways, so one thing I did want to mention, and I know you've got some cool topics picked out, so you say, but um, you posted something earlier, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, something about some EMF pump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was I was trawling through eBay. Well, eBay keeps sending me these old messages about uh, ghost hunting gadgets that I might be interested in purchasing. Mm-hmm. I think they, they do it based upon your browsing history, so you can tell the sort of crap I look at. And um, this one had... Um, it was one of these homemade devices. It generates a magnetic field. But what, what uh, intrigued me and reminded me of last year's Spirit Quest, actually, was the fact that it said it had three air vents to let the magnetic fields out of the plastic box. And it you just... Know, you, you find, it you just find tickled that me. Am- Wait, it just tickled that- me. Wait a minute. You find that amusing, but a lot of people don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, I shall explain. So that's you know that's that's you know. Awful. Well, you found it. You, well, you found it. Amusing we're here last to year inform well. people. We're here to well, inform found, people. Okay. Well, you found it amusing last year as well. But for the benefit of those that aren't aware, an electromagnetic field can pass easily through any non-conductive material, such as the plastic casing. There was no need to put air vents in it, but the seller had made a point of drilling three air vents to let the electromagnetic field... You just didn't want the motor to overheat. Sorry? No, 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 no. Read the advert. It it specifically says it was to let the electromagnetic fields out. Oh. But did you see the other advert for the googly, flashy eyeballs for ghost hunting? No, no, no. Let's stay with this, and then we'll we'll get to the other one. I'm very... Okay. 
we have, okay. we have an hour here, so we have plenty of time to digest these things. So uh, an EMF pump, and, and this one actually was really fancy. They had four crosses on it. Yeah, well. a, cruci a crucifix on each of the front uh, four corners. And, and what, what was the purpose of the crucifix? Now, they weren't referred to in the advertising. And, in right. fact, in the later, in, uh, somebody pointed out uh, in a comment to the post that in later versions of the, um, that due to them selling out of crucifixes, that they were no longer included in the current models. But, I mean, do you, can, I don't understand why they would be on there. Uh, for, for Expect me to understand. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Uh, I, <laughs> People, I mean, he probably had a job lot of crucifixes lying around, thought they'd look cool. Thought they looked good, aren't you? Steampunk so, coffee. Yeah, whatever. So the purpose, I mean, the theory, I guess, behind the EMF pump is, do you know what it is? Uh, I can take a stab at it because okay. I, the, uh, gonna, I mean, I, I, I like to cede the floor to you because you're much wiser and much more learned than I am. So, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I stand humbly in, in your presence. Good. Well, shut up and listen then. Okay. Basically, the whole electromagnetic theory comes from the work of the Canadian neurologist Michael Persinger, who suggested. Well, can I disagree? That... Go suggested... ahead. <laughs> he... Well, actually, there is earlier sort of hints at it, but he's the first to put the thing together, and he developed a device called the God Helmet, in which he. Uh... God Helmet. It was called the God Helmet because it was essentially a. I think it was a. Uh, is there a picture uh, of that on the internet? This is no, lot, lots, lots. Just Google God Helmet. I am going to go ahead. Keep going. It's up. bright yellow. It's like a motorcycle helmet, <laughs> and on, on the side of the helmet, people. I'm sure people are trying desperately to find out more about the God Helmet, but this yellow helmet has electromagnetic coils fitted uh, to it. And he used that to uh, generate electromagnetic fields close to the temporal lobes of the brain. These are the regions just behind and below the ears. And when he did that, he discovered that people had really quite interesting and profound experiences, ranging from strange and, and unusual sensations right the way through wow. to impressions of speaking to or being in the presence of God, hence the name came about. And he recognised that these sensations were were very similar to those that were reported during paranormal experiences. And so he, he put together um, a number of theories that perhaps what people were dealing with was an electromagnetic impingement upon the brain, cre creating uh, these paranormal-like experiences for people. Now, that was his idea, and it's been it's been tested by others. Some some people have contested it. Some people have supported it, and it's widely accepted within parapsychology that electromagnetic uh, fields may have a role in the creation of paranormal-like experiences. However, uh, what seems to have happened around the same time is that people read the headline and linked ghosts' paranormal experiences to electromagnetic fields and picked up devices that were designed to monitor electromagnetic fields within the home because there was a movement within uh, by, by many people who were concerned about the health implications of these electromagnetic fields from 
all manner of devices that we have in the home, the, the Wi-Fi's, the mobile yeah, phones, yeah. the micro, et cetera, et cetera. And the, a number of companies started to market devices that allowed you to measure them. One was SafeRange in America who came up with a device known as the K2, the SafeRange K2 meter. Um, now, the ghost hunters ever ever on the lookout for new devices and new ways to test ideas had obviously been aware of the idea, uh, this link between potential paranormal-like experiences and electromagnetic fields, and then they took these devices um, it, as ghost detectors, as uh, paranormal energy detectors. Now, the, the theory then goes that... Um, Instead of manipulating the field, if you generate more of the field, you make the environment, the local environment, conducive to the um, spirits, the entities, for them to manipulate. And so they pump electromagnetic fields um, using these EM device, the EM pump devices. And this is one of those EM pump devices. It's exciting. It is exciting. I think you have one, actually, don't you? I do. I, I, I managed to purchase that from somebody. If only you'd read the instruction book. Oh, didn't come with it. All you got was the box. You know that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Since when does anything come with instructions in the well, it, Actually, so, some of them do, but... <laughs> the, oh, seriously? Uh, I, I mean, like the instructions for the Ghost Meters Pro, I mean, they were they were legendary. Uh, I haven't got... My, mine's just out of reach at the moment, uh, the one that oh. you gave me, but I remember the, the fantastic instructions in that, which you and I couldn't make head and tail of, but did say that we could detect ancient or modern ghosts using the different modes. Yeah, it I didn't explain what they were, it just said that we could. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It was It was remarkable. Um, do, you, do you know I got criticism for that? I used that at Spirit Quest, uh, uh, not Spirit Quest, at uh, Spectral Evidence, and I, I brought it out and I read the instructions. Now, this is me reading the instructions, and I said, according to the manufacturer, blah, 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 and according to the manufacturer, blah, 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 and I read it, and I actually got a bad review for that because uh, I was mocking the manufacturer of that item. They funnily, felt it. They felt anyway. And all I did was report what it said. So well, I, funnily I, enough, I did exactly the same and have done on a number of occasions. Uh, instead of uh, taking the ghost meter too, um, I've simply taken the instruction sheet and just read from yeah, it. That's all you need. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just read from the instruction sheet. I think Although the speaks- box is, is quite interesting too. It is, but you know, I think you you know you can get away with just the instruction sheet. In fact, yes, if, if if I can get across the room during the ad break, I'm. Oh, that's all right. We'll, we'll save that for another okay. time. But we'll, we'll do that another day then. Um, yeah, uh... So yeah, and uh, then the uh, another alert came up on my eBay uh, alerts that alerted me to other products, mm-hmm. um, which I also put onto Facebook, and that was a pair of rubber eyes that had. I didn't see that one. It does actually say it. These are two rubber googly eyes that if you bounce them on the floor, one flashes red, one flashes blue. They huh? were fourteen ninety nine. Um oh, but um but they're for ghost hunting. And it does I mean there there are some very limited um instructions that says that you could throw them down a corridor and ask the ghost to throw them back. Um Okay, so it's uh <laughs> You know what, this wasn't. I can see it now, and actually I see the, the thinking behind this. They just were able to get their hands on a bunch of these Google eyes and decided, okay, how can we adapt these to ghost hunting? Uh, they probably talked to our friend, the dollar store uh, uh, 
ghost hunter and uh, you know that's right up her line so well no the sure. price they would charge in at 14.99 yeah I that's mean, true that's, I mean, that's, tw- that's $20 you know there's yeah. no way there's no way was our mutual friend going to support that yeah so but yeah that's, that's she could fill a flight case with stuff for that this is true you know, I have to give her credit for that. It makes ghost something relatively expensive, not like the, the freaking money I got ripped off on. on uh, the, uh, <laughs> the what I always talk about is the uh, obelisk, you know, and, it, and I said, okay, I spent $240 for this obelisk, and it, it comes up with an electronic voice that you can't understand what the hell it's saying at all. Uh, most people don't. So for another $120, you get to buy the little digital readout on it, and... Uh, yeah, so for four hundred dollars, you were able to uh, use it. Oh, you could have bought I mean, we, we, a pro and use that. Oh, you could have bought a ghost arc and been just as disappointed. <laughs> so, what's the story on the ghost arc? Is anything? Well, uh, the, yeah, well there have been the current updates are that um, Signor Massimo over in Italy has, dis- has disappeared completely. Um, although, the, although the the web page is apparently still taking orders, um, the whole thing seems to be. Yeah. Money, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing seems to have ground to a halt um, with uh, threats and complaints going in all directions. Too bad and... you didn't get yours. I mean, you could have had it for prosperity. That's probably going to be, uh, you know... That's going to be, yeah. Well, if you... I'm sure I could put together a broken box. <laughs> but the, no no good seems to have come out of the ghost arc, and it promised so much. It, it, you know, it, it did. It, it was, it, there was a lot of hubbub about it. There was there was some very 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 nice videos that showed this very elaborate device that promised to be the universal ghost hunting tool, the the tool that every ghost hunter craved. It had the displays, it had blue LEDs. I mean, you know, blue LEDs, anything with blue LEDs. Um, but sadly, it failed to deliver. Quality control was poor, and things kept breaking. It didn't work to specification. The shielding inside turned out to be cardboard. Oh, that's um, a shame. The whole thing was just a joke from start to finish. Then there was the claim, of course, that that was an early production batch of 200 that had gone rogue. And um, Yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah. And then there was uh, sort of claims between the designer and the, the Chinese manufacturing company over who was to blame for that one. Yeah, blame the Chinese. Then there was all manner of... Um, threats and accusations uh, flying around, people demanding money from the banks, people demanding money from credit cards, people demanding a return to the products. So I think the ghost arc is... uh, Dead? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There are are people who... Somebody did, I think this week I saw... I didn't actually follow the article up, you know, frankly I couldn't be bothered. Um, But there was somebody who did claim to have caught a Class A EVP on their ghost arc. Um, There you go. (laughs) Yes, I mean... (laughs) You know, for how much money you can get one yeah. Class A, which, well, of course, people with a $6 recorder can get, like, hundreds. But it might, well, we don't know what... I didn't follow it up, um, so I can't really go into any detail. Uh, it may yeah. just have been the clattering the clattering sound of a ghost arc being thrown across the room in frustration. But well, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when uh, Karen Keefe came over here, uh, I actually had my own helmet that, uh, uh, you know, that they're still talking about to this day. Really? The ghost? Yes, the, the fabulous ghost helmet. Uh, God, I, I, God, are we talking about the God helmet now? Have you jumped back to the God helmet? Yeah, I did, because yeah. 
Yeah, I did. When Karen came over here, I had this amazing helmet that uh, he he was speechless when he saw it. That's all I, I can imagine. I, I can imagine yeah. him being speechless at many yeah. of your fantastic creations. But in actual fact, we do have a ghost hel- a god helmet. He got me at it now. Um, uh, Mar- it's Mar- it's Martha again, isn't it? Yeah, could um, be. <laughs> we she do never up. Because about 10 years ago, Anne and I were doing some uh, experiments within Parascience that required the construction of a god helmet. Oh, there and you go. So, and so, I th- actually, it still exists. Anne's got it somewhere in her, in her attic. But we well, I actually a- had to oh, take mine in a pot because my wife needed a colander back. <laughs> oh, dear. That sort of one. Yeah, yes. Well, Never it mind. happens, you know. Never mind. Well, they say you know, go, go science, for... science, they, people don't realize it, the it, problems it, we have in science, you know. People don't realize the, the, the hard work that, that ghost hunters go to, from rectal probe thermometers through to running around with colanders on their heads. Yeah, there you go. So, anyways, so that's, that's some exciting news in the world of uh, ghost tech. And by the way, if you saw the last. Uh, video broadcast of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, you see that I actually exposed the Eddie meter on live TV. Oh. I did. I, I showed, I ripped the label off it and told you what it was really called. <laughs> Probably the same as what mine's called. What is yours called, just for curiosity? I can't remember. I okay. haven't seen it for about a month. It's at the bottom of the flight case. I use it actually a lot because. Well, I mean, I the can. photographs of the UK one and the US one are absolutely identical, except but except for the name. They are That's they are name. they are exactly the same piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yours is called Mister Ed, and the UK Eddie, one's called Eddie. Eddie. Mr. Yeah, Mister Ed, the talking horse. Yeah. Um, but the other ones are called. Is that a I, I, case? I did. I, I did uh, spend uh, some of last week build uh, stick. Uh, soldering to get uh, sorry soldering together um, a group a group of new round Eva diodes. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, you know we'd run out, so I made yeah. Well, bath. you know you made me I give fa- you the you made me give mine away. So uh, next time you come over here, I expect to get one. Oh, all right then. I, uh, I thought I thought your ghost tech expert Jim had made some pretty good ones. He did. Those are very good, actually. I like well, those. Why do you, why do you want a, uh, a crappy British one? Because it comes from you. Oh, okay. I have great utmost respect for you, Mr. Parsons. Mm-hmm. Anything mm-hmm. you touch is, is gold. They, they, the they, only, they only take about 50, cent, 50 cents worth of components in about five minutes to make. Yeah, well, I don't have the time, unlike some people. like. <gasps> uh, anyways... Uh, Anyways, speaking of ghost gadgets and and God helmets and so forth and googly eyes, uh, just last Tuesday at our red light seance, uh, I saw, okay, I saw the schematic for something in my mind's eye. You did? Yes. Now, this was during the red light seance, and, uh, you you know, I, I don't know if you're aware, but... Uh, you know, like you can close your eyes and you see things when your eyes are closed. Hmm. Ooh. You got one? Would you get one of those? Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Found it, pound, found it in the pound store. Oh, good. Good man. Uh, many, so anyways, <laughs> I, have, I have the schematic. It's for, I think I have the schematic. I, I try to write it down. 
And I'm going to build this stupid thing and see if this was uh, a ghostly inspiration or what. What do you think? <laughs> is that your comments or was that, was that an EVP? I thought that might have been a, a true class A from a ghost arc. Yeah, it was true class A. So we, uh, uh, well, we, we, we briefly spoke about this because um, if, if, if I were you, if I were in your shoes, I would uh-huh. go back. Because many of these EVP devices um, that exist, like Spiricom, uh, the Frank's Box, and others, mm-hmm. the makers have all claimed that the original um, circuit design or assistance with the design and modification had come from Spirit. Uh-huh. Uh, which begs the question, how did the spirit get through in the first place in order to pass the information on? Why did they then need to make a box? But nonetheless, that, that's a common thread. Now, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you say that you weren't absolutely 100% on the design from the first seance? I am not. I told you that, yes. So, so it would be certainly valuable at the next red light seance to see if the design can... Uh, be confirmed to see if you have got the uh, circuit correct and then go ahead and build it. That's a good idea. Ooh. They're good, I, aren't they? They are good. I like those. Crap. <laughs> Excuse me? Now, now that's a, there's for, a theory. For those, for those that don't know, this, this, this device that, that makes it is actually a plastic tube with a piece of metal aluminum foil at either end, um, mm-hmm. which which you hold, or you hold between two people, and then they link hands back. Or many people. Or many people. Uh, inside, there's a, there's a small battery, a, a sounder, and a number of flashing LEDs. colored LEDs. Yes. And they're kind of... Re- this is something that you discovered, Ron, in one of your... Um, I don't know where you discovered it, but you made me aware of it last year. <laughs> and, I, and I found some here in the UK in one of our high street uh, novelty stores. I'm quite and impressed. It, it's kind of like the idea that Harry Price, and you were using it in exactly the same way. Price did it sort of the opposite way around, so that when people held hands during a seance or, or, and linked with in, in, into the circle, including the medium, if anybody broke the circle, an alarm, a light would flash indicating that the circle was uh, broken, not for any right. spiritual reason, but so that the hands and, right. you know, hands and feet were free and could be potentially up to something in the dark. Now, this device works the other way around um, in that it makes a noise rather annoyingly all of the time until you break the circle or release the contact, in which case it shuts up. Um, But it does serve that useful purpose to indicate whether there is uh, a good contact between two people or a group of people forming a circle and preventing them from at least using their hands... uh, or reducing the likelihood of them using the hand during a seance or during some experiments. So um, I, I can see other uses for the circuit as well. I mean, I've got a pair of them. Uh, I, I keep meaning to get round to removing one of them from its tube in order to... Oh, to on, it. On, well, no, onto a, flat, onto a flat sort of device and see what can be done with it. Ooh. We've just been informed that every Friday and Saturday night at 9.30, there are ghost hunts in Tyler, Texas. So 
if you're not looking for something to do on every night, so if you're looking for something to do on a Friday, Saturday night at 9:30 in Texas, go see some place. He didn't give us any more information. That you just have to go around. Give us more information. Yeah, you have to go around asking people: Is there a ghost hunt in Tyler? And uh, they will, uh, you know, direct you. I'm sure. Well, we could host it. It's in Tyler, Texas. It's the 21st century. They've got jetliners. Yeah. Anyway. Ah, that's interesting. So, I mean, there are so many pieces of equipment. You can spend so much money on it. and But we seem to be getting, uh, I guess, we seem to concentrate our, our equipment in one now, and that is the smartphone. Uh, do you think that the smartphone will basically take over? It, it certainly could, and in fact, um, it's now there is in the module uh, for ghostology the the uh, course for study day. There is actually a module called Smart Ghost Hunting, which examines that, that exactly that possibility. It looks at the usefulness, or otherwise, of the smartphone or the iPad, the, the tablets, because they are becoming very, very powerful. And, of course, many of them now uh, can be linked to external sensors. I mean, at the simplest level, for example, uh, there are probably now many, many investigators who are aware of the FLIR cameras that can be simply attached to uh, a smartphone, mm-hmm. which... which is a genuine FLIR camera. It's not a pseudo-FLIR camera. The problem that I think smartphones have got to overcome is a, is a perceptual one um, rather than a technical one. Technically, they're, they're more than capable of, of doing the job. Uh, right. Sound- I mean, the, the, the processes are more than we yeah. had during the, the lunar program. Uh, well, they're more than we had, you know, even five years ago in many of the cameras. You know, we've got True. very high-quality cameras, very high-quality audio um, They are a remarkable device, but there is a perceptual problem in that they are linked to many of the apps which are creating the impression of ghost hunting equipment like the iOvilist and others. Uh, Under Ghost Radar. Uh, I think once once we overcome that that stage, once people realize that they are not just a toy or something you can be creative with and create your own ghosts, then they will start to become more useful, and there are uh, there are add-ons now that uh, in which the phone is the centre of the uh, package, mm-hmm. where you add all of the, the additional sensors for temperature and humidity and and thermal imaging and video and enhanced microphones that, that attach to the device as well. You know, what was interesting is that uh, many years ago when I first joined uh, Tojinet Radio, uh, one of the Sons of the creators uh, have a a uh, net that they had put together. It was a basically a, a a series of sensors that you could lay out, and it was all connected and could give you real time readouts, which was really interesting. And I, I mean, that was a long time ago too. It's, actually, it's amazing. I've just, I, I've just remind I just remembered actually um, that smart ghost hunting. I did it last year's Spirit Quest. Yeah. I sure it didn't go. It was, it Anyways, was I, I hear the break coming up, so we got to take a break. So uh, if you'll hold that thought, we'll uh, be right back. Anyways, you're listening to.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. I asked for that then. Ghost Chronicles, the spooky edition. With New England's very own Van Van Halen. Yeah, Van Halen. (laughs) Ronnie Van H. And and me over here. So, uh, yeah, before the break, we were... I've just put the links up as well for the town of Texas Ghost Hunt. Oh, good. Um, I spared no expense on the sound effects you, of the show yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. It's never spare any expense for the sound yeah. effects. But before the break, we were talking about the smart ghost hunting, uh, the use of smartphones and uh, tablets, and how that they are likely in the future to start and replacing. And you started to uh, pimp uh, so you, your uh, program there of uh, ghostology. Uh, well, it is part of that. Um, and there is a chapter in the book as well that, that looks at it. And um, but while I was rem- while I was trying to um, promote the book and the study days here in the UK, uh, I did. Re- I was reminded that actually last year's Spirit Quest, I did do a talk called Smart Ghost Hunting, which looked at that exact thing with some interesting demonstrations of um, some of the devices and attachments that you can add to your smartphone. Wow. Uh, this works. This works universally. If only you'd have been in the room. Um, this, works uni- <laughs> this works universally with. I have not to just listen it. to you on the radio. That's the way I want to listen to your speeches. Yeah, spirit. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. That's all right. I know how well you treat your guest speakers. What did you have me do? Like build fire pits, put out the room, put out the tables, lay out the yeah. chairs, clear the bins. 
and he came from the UK to do that. Yeah, that's how you treat your guest speakers. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, um, so I think, yes, in the future it will. But there is also another interesting move within Ghost Hunting, something that um, I think harkens back to an earlier Spirit Quest as well, which is... Yeah, this lack of equipment. Many ghost hunters are starting to realise that the equipment isn't fulfilling the the claims that are being made for it, and they're going back to some of the more spiritual techniques. This idea of um, you know not using equipment in many cases, or or in fact going you know over to the earlier spiritual techniques, because the equipment is becoming increasingly confusing in what it's aiming to do. There are many devices that are more or less seemingly doing the same thing, but are making different claims. And I think ghost hunters are starting to see through the manufacturing and advertising hype that surround many of these devices and are pre- preferring um, to, to stick to, um, obviously, EVP remains very popular, so sound recording and also uh, video. And, and you know, I, re- I remember when I first started doing this, I mean, I used to walk around with my hands full of equipment, seriously. I mean, yeah. and then we, we had to use whatever we had for equipment, so it, was, it wasn't the <clears throat> most... Uh, well, I mean, you are you are the most equipped investigator that I know. I mean, but it's it's perfectly true. It was seen as the way into uh, the only way to conduct an investigation was to be armed to the teeth with flight cases, um, full of equipment. Those uh, vests now, those fishermen's vests with all the fishermen's vests with all the pockets, um, which are still which are still quite common, um, except but not the, no. Yeah, they have to be. Uh, that's demons for you. But there is a there is a concerted. Oh, there does seem to be a seed change back towards the more basic um, idea of you don't necessarily need quite so much equipment because I think people have realised that the equipment just isn't delivering. They're not capturing you know, all manner of pumps and pods and are just not delivering the promises that are that are being made by them. And people are starting to uh, question the worth in in the use, you know, in in the investigations. So let me let me stop you for a minute and, and ask you this: Do you think it's like? You know, uh, merit badges and, and, and Boy Scouts or, or, or whatever. It's like the more equipment you have, the more the better a ghost hunter you are. You know, oh, I have a flare camera that you know, and I oh, have yeah. you know, you know, it's it's one up upmanship. You think that's uh, the problem? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of that um, where where groups groups don't seem to be focusing as much on their equipment page as they used to do, but that was very, very prevalent, and it still exists to a large extent today. You know, every every group does seem to, you know, on their social media, they do like to feature their latest piece of equipment. Um, so, but there is this interesting move away. Um, now, this might... This was reflected during Spirit Quest because there is another aspect to this. It's not just a disillusionment with the equipment itself, but there's a disengagement with the investigation process because people feel to feel that they are now no longer part of the um, process, mm-hmm. that they are now merely carrying around devices or watching screens or pressing buttons to make recordings and then going away to analyse it. Yeah, now, nobody people, wants to be at base camp anymore. They all want if, to walk through. Yeah, if you recall um, the, the the US versus UK Spirit Quest investigation where... I don't UK, remember that at all. 
well, if you recall, the UK team had nothing because the US team had stolen all the equipment and left us with a torch and a pen. I have no idea. Whatever, however successful the night was in terms of what we captured paranormally, which wasn't much, what was clear is that those who were in the equipment-poor team had a better personal experience because they felt more engaged with the investigation process in that they were just sitting quietly in in the space uh, and allowing themselves to become the investigation equipment. And that gave them a, a more satisfying personal experience and a better engagement with the process, mm-hmm. um, I believe. And I think there's, there's, that has to be factored into it. Oh, I agree I, so. I might explain you know, the move away. There's also been a resurgence of the Victorian Edwardian era sales. I was just going to say that. And, and that the reason for that is that they feel, like you just said earlier, they're more engaged in it. They feel they're more part of it. Uh, the old seances, the old table tipping, glass swirling, you, you become part of it. And, and for all purposes, you're going to get something because there's humans involved. Well, it goes back to the very root of why people even start investigating, and we've we've asked this question a number of, of times, and we've asked it of a number of guests as well. And the answer is universally that people want to be... They want to have the experience. They want to understand other people's experiences by having one of their own. They want to see the ghost. And that, that experience is being lost um, when they're in an equipment sense but can be regained by the seance. They they become part of the part of the whole process again, which is a much more satisfying experience. Mm-hmm. Evidentially, the there's still well, a, there's still a question about you know the worth, but yeah, it's still yeah. you know well, from a, from a human perspective, it's a much right. more satisfying experience. And, and the interesting thing about that too is is in why it, they're so popular, is that those devices, the Ouija board, the glass swirling, uh, you know, uh, table tipping, they, they didn't have to be, you know, professional ghost hunters, and they didn't have to be mediums. They could just be regular people doing their thing. They eliminated the, you know, the medium, the special person that uh, was needed to speak to the dead. They could speak to the dead now using these various devices. Do you know what is interesting is, though, that we, we now look upon the Ouija board as a spiritual device, as an old-fashioned seance tool. But in its it day, in, well, in actual fact, if you look at the marketing and history of the board uh, by Fold and Kennard, they were, it was nothing more than uh, an EVP device, a digital dousing device exactly. that we have today. And it was marketed in exactly the same way that you two can talk to the dead. You two exactly. can. It's, it's only a. And it was a family it, toy. I it was game, a family toy. Me. It was. It was it was a group activity that you could do with your family or your friends uh, um, in the parlor after after. But it, it, in in terms of the actual specific marketing, there is no real difference between that and the the VP recorder or the pods or the K twos, um, and the the need is the same. It's just that we look upon with the the, the Ouija board rather through uh, misty misty. Uh, you know, uh, lenses uh, because it, it's a very old device dating back to the late 19th century as a, as a product. 
So, um, but you know, yourself, I wonder if people will will look back on pods in a hundred years' time. Yeah, you know, in the but, same but way. You, but you know yourself, and in, in, in most parapsychologists will uh, will tell you that all these, you know, it's all hogwash dowsing and and Ouija boards and everything else, and and people who uh, do investigating in in quotations scientifically look used to look upon them the same way in that oh you know I, I i'm not i'm i've got a digital recorder i'm doing a scientific i'm not using a ouija board but basically you were right the the, the same not device but the same uh uh modality in in that they're both there to do the same thing basically yeah, and the marketing for both, if you look back at the old adverts for, for and compare them, uh, apart from a few language changes, they are exactly the same. They were sold in exactly the same way. Um, to do away with the medium that you too can go direct to the spirits and can communicate with the spirits um, with your friends and family. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it, we look upon the Ouija board as something, uh, although there is a history of oracles that go back further, but oh, yeah, yeah, EVP devices like the Frank's box and, and, and others, the spirit boxes, they're no different, they are just the, the, the linear extension of this idea that along the way it has included the Ouija board. Uh, but you know, let's not forget that the Ouija board has always, uh, you know, right from its earliest days, been marketed as a um, what is it, a toy, a game. In fact, it, legally it was a toy. They challenged that through the US courts, didn't they, right. uh, to make it, uh, you know, as a game. Um, what's also interesting about the Ouija board is uh, we can't buy, we can't go into Toys R Us here in the UK and buy a Ouija board, but they are really? quite. Co- you you see them very commonly on investigations. However, in America, I understand that they're less commonly used in investigations. But you can go into any Toys R Us and buy them, which is seems a bit of a strange role reversal. Mm, interesting. But even the Ouija board, it was evolved. I mean, the 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 way it evolved, it, it kept. It's not Cal again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kept trying to be easier and easier to communicate. You know, at first it was just, uh, uh, you know, the uh, automatic writing with the writing planchette, and then somebody put some letters out somewhere, and then they found that was easier than trying to read writing, and then, you know, they put it out on a board, and it was all to make it easier to communicate with spirit or to get results, one or the other. Nothing's changed, really, has it? We've we've always had this desire uh, to find out what's on the other side and to communicate with what's on the other side. And unfortunately, you know, many of us lack these special abilities that mediums and psychics claim to have, and that we, you know, we have to go to the priest, uh, we have to go to the oracle, to the temple, or to the medium, or to the psychic in order to find the information that we seek. When and they have to interpret the information that's being passed back, and that can often be an unsatisfactory process mm-hmm. and an expensive process. You know, you had to offer oh, yeah. a, you either had to offer a goat or some coins, um, yeah. or nowadays your credit card. How many goats must die? Uh, yeah, how many goats must die? But they they nowadays, you know, there has always been this de- uh, desire for the common man to be able to communicate directly with the ancestors. Um, you know, we, we, we there are in fact some Eastern cultures where they dig their ancestors up on an annual basis and take them for a picnic. There you go. Um, but 
it's 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 an extension of that that he, that basic human desire. Um, and EVPs are very very popular um, during. They've always during been my, popular, though. Yeah, but during my visit to Ireland, what was interesting is that um, I'd said during the day, uh, uh, during the the study day, that these things were like crack cocaine. An EVP box, you know, Frank's box was like crack cocaine mm-hmm. to an investigator. And during the evening, of course, while they were doing the investigations, they were allowed access to the equipment and in turn each group chose the the uh, Frank's box and they took it out into the field. Hmm. And invariably... And startling un- results, undoubtedly. Invariably and unerringly, uh, it became their fav- favourite piece of equipment. The, you know, it, it is indeed crack cocaine. It is highly addictive. And, I, 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 you know, as I said during the, during the study day itself, even seasoned, hardened investigators will find themselves intrigued and carried along by these devices because it's an innate human nature. Um, we can't help ourselves. We get drawn in by the, the noises, the squawks, and on occasions we get confused and we get intrigued by what they're doing. And that, that was exactly what happened when I was over there last fall um, at the fort. Uh, at, um, I know because you've Portsmouth always Harbor spoken writer. of the hack shot as, as a broken radio. And well, it is a broken radio, but you yeah. know, I'm, I'm not naive enough to dismiss every possibility. And on that one occasion, um, and it wasn't it wasn't so much what the radio itself was doing, um, but it was the words of the experienced Coast Guard officer who who was experienced in particularly in radio um, that intrigued me most because he also. Um, you know, with his trained radio listening ear, said that what was happening was distinctly different than the normal sort of FMAM right. chatter so, that was happening so on the radio. For those who don't know what happened, and, and we've discussed it before, I know, but give, can you give us a brief synopsis of, of it's, what Essentially, you and I were, were assisting a group of people to conduct an investigation of the uh, Portsmouth Lighthouse and Coast Guard Station, and we were in the Keeper's House on that night, and as part of the uh, the show and tells, we had one of the, the, the ghost boxes, a shack hacker. And uh, we allowed them to ask some questions, and the responses seemed to be, uh, during one of the sessions, to be uh, interacting with the questions in a, in a very particular way. And the sounds were quite different from anything that we'd heard in any of the previous sessions. And the, the, the responses seemed clearer. Now, um, we went back for a second session. Unfortunately, we didn't have access to a recorder to record the session. But what we, but our, our, the person accompanying us was a Coast Guard officer um, who worked specifically in radio. Um, that was his uh, department. He was one of the radio officers or radio operators. And after the first session and during the second session, I'd, I'd said to him, what did he think of the, the sounds and you know, what did he make of it? And he said that, in his opinion, that the responses, which were telling, which were answering us, uh, answering the questions that were being put, but in, in, uh, and eventually uh, suggested that we should leave. Uh, um, not, not in any menacing way. Um, no. it, you know, um, he said that those sounds, or that the responses were very different, dramatically different than the sounds that had been, the, the thing had been making for the, for the other sessions and throughout the, you know, the remainder of the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the responses had come immediately after the question, and he said it sounded to him like it was a an intelligent answer to the question that was being asked. 
Mm-hmm. So I found that most intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. I know we're running down the show, but I, I had a while we were talking, uh, a thought came to my head, and and I want to know your opinion of it. You know, you and I talked about like we don't know what a ghost is, and and all this other stuff. Uh, you know, we don't know what we're talking with, and all. You know, but then I was thinking about the case of uh, that Unger wrote about, and that seemed to kind of give us direction in what a ghost is, didn't it? Uh, I missed the, the you cut out during the you, who wrote about what case. Right, uh, Plenty the Younger, uh, of course, oh. one of the first recorded <clears throat> ghost stations. Athenador, Athenodorus and the, exactly. in, in Athens. Yes. Uh, it goes back to the first century BC when Athenodorus, uh, who was a uh, scholar, had learned of a haunted house in Athens that had been abandoned. Nobody would stay there because of this noisy, noisy ghost. So intrigued, he took took rent of it and uh, he investigated it and he laid it to rest by find um, by following the ghost as it pointed to the ground and he dug the ground and a skeleton wrapped in chains and fetters was found and given a proper burial and the ghost went away. That does. Uh, tell us a great deal about what man thinks the ghosts are. It doesn't tell us anything at all, unfortunately, about what actually ghosts are, but it does give us... How how can we separate that? Well, we're dealing with a subjective account. We're dealing with Pliny telling in a letter... um, Yeah, to his wife, yeah. To his wife. Now, he he didn't... He wasn't there. He didn't see it. And unfortunately, um, in every case where you have uh, a subjective account a person telling somebody else of what they experienced or what they heard, mm-hmm. it's an interpretation of what may have taken place. Now, it may be entirely 100% accurate, and that tells us that on that particular occasion, an apparition appeared. Um, we don't know fully the conditions that Athenodorus was under. I mean, had he nodded off? It was the middle of the night. Had he been drinking? What had he been eating? Had he been taking henbane? Um, did he imagine the whole thing? Had he but, heard from... But, 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 but it does tell us um, that something about the nature of our experience of phantoms and apparitions, and it does relate then through history because there is yeah, this but, idea that ghosts want something or are yeah, after exactly. something. And that goes through Borley as well, because on the walls of Borley Rectory in, 19, in the 1930s appeared the words light, mass, prayers, and please help, um, as if the, the entrapped spirit uh, inside the rectory was seeking the assistance of the living. And this is also carried out in many modern investigations. You often hear the investigators saying, we mean you no harm. You know, Can we do anything to help you? What is it you want from us? And stop throwing stones at me, please. Uh, <laughs> so th- there is this idea that... Can you make my broken frac- flashlight work? <laughs> there is this idea that uh, they want something from us and that the living can help the dead. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's universal. It, it, goes, it goes through several cultures, uh, through many cultures as well. Um, but it is universal and goes back, as, a, as plenty demonstrates, it goes right the way back to ancient Greece and Rome. Uh, and there are even uh, older accounts where... Oh, absolutely. Spir- ..where the spirit is seeking the assistance of the living. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in the Sumerian and Babylonian cultures, there are similar stories. Um, 
Athenodorus is a um story is not the oldest it's the it's the it's the first one Famous. that was fully it was the first that's fully documented there are slight uh, there are earlier ones but they're yeah. not as well documented or as well known right um, i mean you, you even go you can go into the bible with all the way to uh the witch of indoor yeah. well I, the Bible comes later, actually, after Athenodorus, because it's a BC. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So oh, the Bible, well, well, no, no, that occurred. That occurred BC as well. Um, well, the Bible didn't, did it? Because that's C, that's P, that's AD, because it writes about him. The huh? Bible, the Bible. What about it? It's BC. It's not. Well, it, well, yeah, well half, half of it. Yeah, I was going to say half, Yeah, half yeah. of it, isn't it? Half of it is. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. But it wasn't written. It wasn't written then. You know, it was written some time later, if we believe the historians. Well, it depends. In the uh, the, BC, the oldest one, the AD was definitely written later, but the the BC uh, is is. I don't uh, know how old is the oldest written version of the Bible. Is that? God, I don't know. We'll have to, uh... I mean, the Dead Sea Scrolls are. They've got some scrolls now to within about twenty or thirty years of. Um, Year zero, um, but I don't know if there are older old testaments or something. I should really, well, we can find out for next week. Actually, I'm looking it up right now. Okay, but nonetheless, I mean the the Babylonians, the Sumerians. There are many many Greek legends uh, for t- uh, that tell tales of ghosts, and I can't reach to to grab them. Um, in the magic in Greek and Latin literature um, that I've got here, that was published in 1929, there are there are lots and lots of of uh, accounts of using lamps to communicate um, with ghosts. Okay, I just found out uh, from London, England. What do you know? Uh, the oldest known Christian Bible goes online Monday, but the 1600-year-old text doesn't match the one in the church today. So it's an old Bible, but it's 1600, which means it was written after uh, uh, Christ's death. All right. Uh, so we, so we, the older ones of the... Well, there are Chinese ones, of course, that, that, oh, yeah, that yeah, predate yeah. that as well. But, you know, right throughout the uh, I, uh, ancient Greek and Rome, so the, what we call the civilized world, the one that's, that's most closely linked linearly with us uh, here in the West, there are ghost stories and um, tales that are very, very similar to to modern accounts of um, not just ghost stories, but exorcisms, rituals and ceremonies and incantations, the use of oracles and spells, a device called the tabulus, which was used, sounds, like, sounds just like an old Ouija board. Right. Uh, you know, there are, there, are, there are just simply lots and lots and lots of them. The Raising of Darius's Ghost. Ooh, was that one written? Uh, necromancy. I mean, that, that one goes back to the 2nd century BC, so that's older. Yeah, that's pretty old. Oh, there's the bell. So, anyway. You were only a small boy then, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I was just a... a so, which episode, so which episode of um, Houdini and Doyle are you up to now? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. It was the uh, Possession one. Ah, a very seven. good, very good one. Uh, the ne- I'd like the next two are particularly good. Well, you keep saying that. You always tell me the next two are particularly mm, good. No, no, no. Eight numbers, eight and nine are the are the ones I think you will you will most well, like. Next, next one we have uh, Dracula. Right. So yeah, that's that's, num- that's number eight and nine. The one after it, I think, are the ones that okay, you are going cool. to enjoy the most. 
Oh, very good, very good. I've I've enjoyed the whole series. I I, I highly recommend it. It's uh, enjoyable. Uh, anyways, we've got to wrap it up. Uh, if you're interested in going Spirit Quest, uh, Spirit Quest 2016, Angels and Demons, uh, Mr. Parsons will be there as well as myself and a bunch of other people. Uh, check out the website, neghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Also, check out uh, Steve's website, and he's got all his uh, books he's hawking on there too, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, theghosthunter.webs.com. There you go, theghosthunter.webs.com. W-E-B-S.com. Uh, why? I don't know. Why do you no, that? Because I'm too cheap to buy a domain name. I just... Oh, 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 okay. And you call me cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I got the idea from you. Uh, yeah. So anyways... You are, you are my I, mentor I look, in every way. I, I look forward to uh, seeing you again this September. So. Yeah, not long now. Not long. Yeah. I even uh, had a reminder the other day from British Airways about the booking. To, we got um, some, uh, did I want to reserve seats? There you go. Special events coming up. So uh, it's something new this year for you, too, that uh, you're going to like. I hope. Uh, look forward to hearing all about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. And uh, Spirit Quest. <laughs> awesome. I want to go back to that. I'm just looking at our uh, Ghost Chronicles International Facebook page. By all means, head over there, click like, share it. But uh, our little our little picture taken in that really cool shop in Salem that we have to go back to. Yeah, I don't know. I've asked them to be on the show and they turned me down. So. I'm not talking about getting him on the show. I'm talking about going to the shop and buying stuff. Ah, they're overpriced. I want that baby in the coffin. Well, that's a good deal. But anyway, so we got to go. Uh, the show's uh, out of time now. So thank you for listening uh, and tuning in next week and tune in tomorrow for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojinet and Pararex. Till then, good night. God bless. Good night. God bless. Here's Cal. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.